I'm Sarah Gross. And I'm Sarah True. And you're listening to If We Were Riding. A triathlon-ish podcast. Grab your sock hats, fill your decanter. Friday's here. It's time for some banter. Try tips, life chat from two feisty pros, zoomies, arm hair, ebbs, and flows. Rides with influential women in sport. Voicemails from you, now it's in your court. Join in just to stalk raccoons. Do you like your Zwift caps and fear those loons? So unpad your bras and stop that hiding and find out what happens if we were riding. Oh my goodness, Sarah. It looks like you are very professionally set up here. I Thank you. I'm wondering what's going on. Do you like the special rays of light back here like people can't see this but like it's this skylight's amazing anyway yes I do have my professional microphone and headphones because I'm still in my office but Sarah it, I stayed here in the office just to record with you it's 5 p.m so it's not like that crazy to still be in the office but they have they do have a bar in the co-working space because I normally have my glass of wine when right. I talk yeah, it's like my Wednesday afternoon afternoon slash happy hour thing and then and I can't like they're not licensed to let me bring the wine in here. So can you bring your own bottle of wine then? Technically, we're not supposed to do that. Although I can't say we haven't done that before. Mm, okay. <laughs> so in fact, I have the proof. <laughs> if someone ever- It's empty. <laughs> I'm showing Sarah an empty bottle of wine right now. If anyone ever comes in here looking for evidence of us- um, not following the the drinking rules it's like and also i'm now declaring it on the podcast but anyway uh, <laughs> i'm assuming anyway yeah i should probably like try to stash but the problem is like i'm not gonna drink a whole bottle right well they don't they have the individual bottles now like the or cups i should like just it, order a little case like yeah. have it beside my desk <laughs> that sounds dangerous Mm-hmm. Um, or or it's portion control right i don't know oh, if it's yeah individually done no the only thing i know about co-working spaces is basically from we work uh and if you guys if you know anything about it it seems like there was a lot of drinking and drugs and stuff going <laughs> on we work so how do you know that about we work because there's a t- there's a TV show now. Oh, there is. Yeah, yeah, but also, I didn't know that. I mean, that was kind of the 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 guy who's behind it all. That was the culture that he created. Right. Was, I don't know if that was the culture at each individual we work, but just at the the corporate headquarters is that oh. they're big into partying. Interesting. Okay, I should watch that. This this one is okay. So like, I like I love it. It's like started and designed by like a female entrepreneur called Tessa. Right. And she, she'd actually be really fun to have on the podcast sometime. And she remodeled this whole, it's like the, the upstairs of a big industrial building. So like the skylight that's above me is like in the ceiling of like an old warehouse. Right. It's so cool. And then like, but she's like, clearly has like an eye for design. She might even have a background. Like the whole place just feels like magical, you know, it's like designed for productivity or whatever that is. Um, so, and I actually love I don't find there's a culture of drinking, but I'm not usually the one doing happy hour at five o'clock on a Friday, but I've been here. Like I've been here. Just on a Wednesday. Just on a Wednesday. (laughs) (laughs) 
only for you, Sarah. Okay. Not on a Friday, but on a Wednesday. Now that's <laughs> okay. On a Wednesday. That, but like, there's usually a small group. There's like 10 or 12 people on a Friday yeah. afternoon. You know, it's, I don't think it's a huge, they had a drag show here on Monday. Ooh, fun. Yeah. I kind of wish I'd stayed for it, but I had Rosie. So maybe I should have brought Rosie. Um, but yeah, we, it's, and I love being able to like come in and out of here. This is the perfect perfect workspace there's four of us now in victoria who work here they can like you know like we're not stuck in an office the four of us like people can come and go there's like sparkling water on tap and coffee so good sparkling you know it's classy when there are bubbles in it i'm all about that i get i get really impressed when i go play someone Ooh, you have <laughs> bubbles in your water there's bubbles <laughs> exactly that's the bar that's a good part. I love it. Uh, now, so do you feel, do you feel like there's different creative energy kind of having other people from other businesses inhabiting the same space? Yeah, I love it. And I love like, so it, I love how many different businesses there are. And there's actually like quite a few in the offices like we are, there's quite a few like Victoria-based startups that are like, have become, you know, over the years are like now businesses. Do you know um, Fatso, the peanut butter? No, no. It's like, I've seen it in the U S before. I don't know how widespread it is, but like, this is stuff like I used to like use and train with. I've, I know I've bought it like lots of places. They're like their office. It's just like right here around the corner. Oh, so there's like, I don't know. It's just, it is fun. And it's also fun to have like a lot of the like 20 somethings, you mm -hmm. know, who would, who are otherwise doing remote work, like come and work and they just have desks and then like, I say desks, but it's so fancy. Like there's all different options. There's like standing desks and there's sofas and there's comfy chairs and regular desks. So yeah, pretty neat. Very cool. Well, yeah, I, I have to come to Victoria sometime. Yeah. And see the offices. Yeah. And then we are, we're always the ones getting the packages, which is so fun. Like we got that, we got a big box of stuff from Gooder, like the sunglasses. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so that's just like, I think they're probably like, oh, another box of stuff for feisty <laughs> but it's so fun it, it's um, it's more like the other people in the co-working space are like okay what's the tiktok this like, time exactly <laughs> what is that feisty crew working on what exactly do they do and how do they make their money which is exactly what everybody asks us all the time like we just work up for free sunglasses that's it love um, it well you gotta look good you know that's that's that. the most important part <laughs> Okay, coming up on the show, we're going to talk about cultural appropriation, the Compete Sports Diversity Summit, Lane sharing drama, and I rock because. All right, sir. This is my little cultural appropriation story. So okay. yesterday, Hawking and I were walking down Main Street of Hanover, and he's in my, I have like this Thule backpack uh, where he just kind of sticks out the top and we just kind of walk he's along. on your back okay he's on my back he's gets yep. to look around he's a happy little camper <laughs> and we're turning the corner and i hear this guy who's probably mid-50s yell at us you stole that from the native americans that's a papoose <laughs> and <What>? i <laughs> do a double take <laughs> and i can see he's totally serious is he native? Like, I don't know. Oh, I okay. Mean, like uh, maybe. 
Uh, but I just keep on walking because I didn't know what to do or say. Um, but I was totally gobsmacked. Like, I don't, I don't think it's the in the whole spectrum of cultural appropriation. I don't feel like this is a very strong case to make. Baby on back is not right. Like, maybe something that might be humanly universal. I like. <laughs> The other thing is, like, I feel like even if, like, even if there was, like, the natives had a baby on back situation and somebody, like, saw that stolen IP and turned it into a baby backpack that you now own, like, even if that was the case, which I'm assuming it's probably not, um, even then it wasn't you. Like, you're not personally responsible for that. (laughs) I, Sarah, I stole it. (laughs) personally you personally were like i need this baby backpack somebody make it for me i i've seen the natives use it well but i want one i mean i i would get it if it was if it was really designed closely to like a papoose with like the I, but yeah, it, it was very interesting to me and I didn't know what I should have said. I didn't say anything. I just let it go. Um, but yeah, I, what does one do in that sort of situation? I don't know. That sounds like you handled it the best that you could, like just <laughs> not respond. I don't, I, cause I don't know what argument there is. Like there's no. not like you, there's, where are you going to meet him in terms of the, like, you know, like, are you suggesting I shouldn't carry my baby on my back in this backpack? Like, what are you exactly saying? Yeah. Um, I'm talking with my hands a lot. People can see oh, yeah. like, I'm very confused. So I'm moving my hands around. I mean, it, like, so on, on this podcast, uh, we very rightfully had somebody bring to our attention the fact that we use the expression spirit animal. Mm-hmm. That was a very appropriate, yes. you know, I, I don't want to say call out, but like, it was a very, like it was brought to our attention. That made sense to me. Yeah. I think this one doesn't make a lot of sense. Oh, yeah. I'm I think gonna we're going to say this one's over the line and that okay. you made the right call. Whew. Yeah. I like uh, almost so I, don't even know what to say. I shouldn't feel guilty about having a baby in a backpack. I don't think you should. I think you're okay, free good. and clear. Okay, good. <laughs> wow, were you carrying this with you? Like, not the baby, but the the, the sense that you should feel guilty. Uh, you know, I felt okay about this one. Okay. Like... <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's where we are. Um, so last week I went to the Compete Diversity Summit. Did we talk about this already? I haven't oh, seen so, you. Right. So last week we were supposed <laughs> to record and you're like, oh, I'm jetting off to some other exotic <laughs> locale. No. And I'm like, whatever, Sarah, I will just be here in New Hampshire, like twiddling my thumbs. I'm not going to record another sad solo podcast. So we had to do a repeat. So yeah, let, t- tell us. First I, of all, <laughs> I saw that you were talking at the compete diversity whatever <laughs> seahawks i don't yes, know i get correct. these little pieces and i'm like she's just all being fancy and what? whatever <laughs> okay so first of all the exotic location is seattle <laughs> <laughs> 
I've heard good things about Seattle. Seattle's amazing, but I wouldn't call it exotic, especially as I'm in Victoria and it's like an 18 minute flight. Um, but yes, so, so Compete Sports, which is like an LGBTQ plus organization. I think I talked about this a couple of weeks in a row now, um, did this. And we talked about it before I went, like they, they partnered with Seattle Seahawks on a diversity summit and it's mostly about LGBTQ sports. But then I did my like, you know, I got like 45 minutes <laughs> to discuss why women's sports are important. It's like no pressure. Wow. So I literally did. And it was supposed to be in round tables. So it was supposed to be like discussion oriented, not just a presentation. So I did like a quick run through of my um, presentation about women's sports that I've kind of done before and, and why it's important and why we should pay attention. And then I did and then I like led the roundtable discussion where people talked about like the change they were making. The thing about these events, right, is that, and this is what I would like love to figure out how to shift, is that like the Seattle Seahawks, okay, this is like a massive organization and the stadium itself hosts like five different types of sports, including like the women's soccer, which we, which they play in the same stadium as the Seattle Seahawks. Um, and so we like, you know, the people who are part, they have a massive organization, which is to say the reach of people who could have attended was huge right but like you always end up in the room with the people who are like already interested in these topics and already want to make sport more inclusive right so like my question is like how do we find the right conversation and create the right space for the folks like who aren't quite there yet right how do we make it interesting for them or how do we like i i don't quite know the answer but um so how how do you bring people in yeah and i think like and the reason i say this is because this was this was an lgbtq plus event and so there were lots of people from the seattle community who had come who were part of lgbtq organizations right um which is great but then like so the crossover becomes being the person who is like in charge quote unquote of the 45 minute women's sports discussion like actually that's like that was a learning point for some of the LGBTQ organizations who hadn't thought about, they probably thought about women's inclusion um, broadly, but not in a sports context, right? So that's where I was like, oh, like, so I got a lot of reactions. Like I'd never thought about that before, right? Because essentially like my presentation says like, like it's unapologetic about how excluded we are and how like the multi-billion dollar industry that is men's sports. Like we're standing there in the Seattle Seahawks, like, stadium right and how like that affects all the way down because like girls are still like born into a world that tells them that like sport is largely for men right and then like and then when you put that together with the stats about health and wellness mental health like physical health mental health the fact that girls are dropping out of sport um at at 50 higher rate than boys and then the fact that like in the leadership capacity as adults like there's more like almost all executives right, are like played sport as kids, right? So like if 50% more girls drop out, you've just, you've just taken away <laughs> like the women who are like later likely on average to be like in high level positions in our society. Like you're, you're like creating a, like the deficit has like this knock-on effects. Like it's not just about girls playing soccer or whatever. It, like it is about girls playing soccer, but it's not just about that. It's about like, society as a whole and so when I present it I'm just giving you the, the micro version but like when I present it I often get people saying like oh I never thought about that like that before so there's an inter 
there's like a learning on both sides because I always learn something about the LGBTQ community too when I go to these events you know and I meet really interesting people and like I love it so yeah what did what did you learn um not to put you on the spot (laughs) yeah we had a really like there was a really interesting presentation about pronouns like Mm. and I'm pretty like pronouns and like gender and I'm very plugged in um I'm not very plugged in. I'm more plugged in than the average person to that conversation. And what was interesting to me was to hear, like you you don't get something either right or wrong, if that makes sense. So like to hear the diversity of the way people like identified or wanted to be like named in their gender, right? Was like actually different between, it was actually different between individuals Um, and so they didn't, it wasn't like, there's not like a rule, like essentially like you, um, this is not what I have. I'm not explaining this very well. Um, but like, okay, for example, like one of the presenters said that like, she liked when someone asked like, what pronouns do you prefer? And the other presenter said that they didn't like that, Hmm. right. That they preferred, like they preferred not, he's like, why are you asking me? right? Like what we don't ask everyone that. And they preferred that we would all, you know, that we would all say, hi, I'm Sarah. I go by she, her pronouns to be as a way of being inclusive instead of like that person being the person that's always asked, right? Because they go by they, them. And so they are someone who like is presenting in a non-binary way and therefore are always the person being asked that question. So they're like, how do I get, how do we get past this? You know? Um, so I thought that was interesting. It's like two different opinions from within the community. So I really started to see the diversity of how folks even think through the issues. It's the same as like, you know, with feminism, we have like, you know, 1200 different kinds of feminism or different opinions about feminism or how, um, how change should be made in that regard. Um, and you have to like, you're not even going to agree with everyone who essentially agrees with you that like women should be of equal standing in society, but you might not agree on some other like major essential issues. Um, so I've seen that in my own world, but it was like, so I'm starting to like see the layers. I guess that's what I'm saying. Whew, that was a lot of talk to get there. I'm <laughs> starting to see the layers of diversity within the LGBTQ community. Yeah, no, that that that's really interesting. Um, Cause I think it taps into the discussion we had about labels the other week where, mm. Do we just have an expectation that everybody like should find out about that individual or do we have to start breaking down the, the stereotypes about people by putting ourselves, you know, forward uh, to help break down you know, our preconceived notions. So it's like that, that is really interesting to me that, yeah, of, of, it seems it seems pretty obvious. like do we force people to challenge challenge you know the status quo or are we supposed to challenge it ourselves mm. like how 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 do we all fit into that mm-hmm. does that make it's sense the, I, I think so I think what you're saying is it's like that pl- the play between like how much onus is on the individual mm. who is sort of identifying outside of the cultural norms, quote unquote, and how much the onus is on us to create an inclusive culture, 
right? Yes. Because both things are not alone or not, you know, like that person, the person who's identifying outside of the norms. Like if I'm even for me being a white straight, like mostly straight, I should say, like woman who like has felt excluded, has privilege in many ways and felt excluded in others. It's tiring being the person who's always like, oh, hey, what about the women? That's exhausting. So that can't be on the excluded party, whatever. Um, but on the other hand, like it's actually virtually impossible to, like, if you think of like, there's like 8 billion different ways to be a human in the world. There's no way I can go through my life understanding all of that automatically when I encounter any human or in any organization and create a culture that would like, would feel inclusive to any number of people. Like that's almost like, like, so it's something to aim for, but also an impossibility. Right. Right. So like right. both things are like alone are not going to totally. Work. I think that's what you were saying. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. I, how, how change making happens is like fascinating to me, you know, like in my little short list of things I might write books about, like in the, in the future, that one's on it. Like looking at movements where things have actually been shifted and how it happened and actually trying to like look behind the curtain a little bit at like the story, that story that you might not necessarily see. Um, there's something there. I find it fascinating. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you see how, uh, you know, cultural understanding of, of different groups has changed over time mm-hmm. and whether it's, you know, because of media, because of legislation, because of whatever reason, mm-hmm. and people getting kind of pushed outside their comfort zone to accept other groups. Um, and yeah, it's, it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, okay. I hear you've oh. had some, Oh, Lane oh my sharing goodness. drama. I love lane sharing drama. I know. I'm so know. excited for this story. <laughs> <sighs> so my local pool, mm-hmm. the uh, one where I, you weren't allowed to leave the baby on the side. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. That one. Um, so I, I talked to the manager the other day. I'm like, Hey, when are we, when are we talking about, uh, moving beyond reservations? Because right now you reserve an individual lane, mm-hmm. which makes it really, really hard because understandably peak hours are booked out. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of flexibility, but also I'm like, okay, we're, we're trying to envision a world that's post COVID like, you know, at some point these reservations are going to go away. They're like, oh, oh no, we we have patrons who really enjoy the reservation system because they know they can get their own lane. I'm like, okay, I have been swimming for many, many years. You know, I've been fortunate to swim around the pools around the world. You don't expect to get your own lane. So basically there's been this culture created at this facility that predates COVID Uh where People show up to the pool because it's not a well-used facility. They're like, this is my lane. And if somebody else comes along, they're like, oh, you're just going to have to wait for another lane to open. I am not going to share this lane. So there's this culture of like, you expect your own lane. 
but it is so weird to me because in no other pool, like I've, I've been to like a pool in France trying to do a workout and they're like eight French ladies all doing really slow breaststroke and you just accept it. You know, like this is, it's a public pool. This is not some hoity toity place where you expect to have your own lane. And they're like, no, yeah, we're, this is kind of, this is going to be a long-term thing. I'm like, listen, I am happy to buy signs encouraging people to share lanes. Like this is crazy to me. Like Mm -hmm. I am being like the anti-diva where I need my own lane for my workout. Like I can share with anybody, you know, because that's just normal. Like you go, you see the master's team and it's great because over the past couple of years, the master's program's grown a lot. I swear it's the only master's program I've ever seen where at most they have two people per lane at most. Like, this is so baffling to me. (laughs) (laughs) And I get frustrated because I struggle at times to find a lane. Like on weekends, I I can't book a lane a lot of the time and I Uh. have to swim. So it's just so weird to me. Yeah. And it's the same thing. Like I always say this or what I've done, like, even I've done like connecting to our previous conversation, like, um, presentations about DEI before it's like the first question you always ask is like, who does this serve? Right. And then this case, like it serves the folks, this rule serves the folks who have the time to be home on their computer at a certain time to sign up for their lane. Like the, the busy people, the people who are like, you know, running around trying to make ends meet working, or if they're like the moms, dad, the childcare people, like all of those folks are like, kind of by definition like added disadvantage in that system well what's what's crazy to me is that this this place is supported in large part by the town Mm. so it's a community supported center Mm -hmm. and this this feels so exclusive to me because (laughs) you have to be a member to be able to book these lanes and like you said it opens up at, I think, midnight and people are there booking lanes. Oh, my God. But that assumes that you have Wi-Fi and you know your schedule. I was just. Yeah. <sighs> you know, this, you know, what this conversation reminds me of it's like um, with like with Iron Man, too. And like the sign up, the sign up opens at a certain time right. without. And then that then the argument that like, well, anyone can sign up. Right. But it's like, no, like at events like. um gravel events like unbound you know the big gravel events they often hold hold open spots for women yeah or spots for BIPOC folks because like it's like just a law of averages like who is able to be on a computer like who's sitting at a corporate job on their lunchtime when Iron Man opens the slots totally who is that person on average like not to stereotype but just like on average who's that person right like so it sort of feels the same, but like every day at the pool, which is almost worse because it's just like, what is it, a $5 swim or something? I see. Like, well, I, and, and so Ben, Ben's point was, you know, they don't care until it hurts their bottom line. Like it's, it's a business. Mm-hmm. So because people, they don't care if they have one person per lane or 20 people per lane. You know, well, as get more people paying. Oh, because it's a membership. Program. Because membership. So until they see, because right now my guess is they're assuming their their drop off in day passes is because of COVID. 
mm-hmm. until until they're really hurt financially, they're not going to change that policy. Great point. Okay, I wonder if like okay, I this is my solution. Although no yeah. one's listening to me at the pool in your local pool. <laughs> Sarah almost spit out her drink, guys. That was funny. Um, so, I mean, my bubbly water, bubbly water almost, <laughs> almost went all around the room. Um, but I like that. Like, could you not have like some kind of? It would have to be like a premium, like a premium membership, where you have certain lanes that could be your own lanes. You like pay a little bit extra, and then you get to like reserve your own lane. Say, I don't know how big the pool is, but say it's like half the pool at certain times or something. And then like everyone else can just like book a normal lane, like a normal person. You know what? One of the things I, I both, one of the things I actually kind of like about lap swimming is it's very democratic. Mm. Like you show up and you swim and, mm-hmm. you know, I've been to pools all around the world. And it's just like, once you have a, a system where people pay more to have their own lane. Right. Okay. That's like flying first class. And that just makes everybody in economy feel like garbage, you know? Okay. I, I take, I definitely take that point. Um. Okay. Or you could just like have certain lanes so those people could fight it out over the reserve lanes while everyone else could just come to the public swim like you didn't have you don't have to charge more for it for my system to work i i just feel like we need to encourage people to share and possibly educate them sharing is caring people sharing is caring where I, I walked away from my discussion with this office man or the the pool manager guy and i'm like Surely, uh, I know he has a couple of kids. His kids learned about sharing a long time ago. You know, these, a lot of these patrons, they're older. You just need a sign as you walk into the pool to remind them of these lessons. No, I wanted to remind them of these lessons they learned back in kindergarten that his kids know, like. Okay, I have to say, I have been in a pool once uh, in Tucson where it was like, it wasn't one lane per person, but it was like two, two people per lane where you split the lane, like almost like the lane line, like the black line down the middle was like your divider line. And it was two people. And so I've been in a lot of pools where people will split the lane until a third person comes. Like in Kona, the pool's like that. People will split the lane. You come out, you come, you're like, hey, can we circle swim? Great. And then you go, right? Like, there was this pool in Tucson. I was like, hey, can we circle some? And they're like, no, we don't do that here. They were like, this is before COVID. This is like, they're like, no, you just wait. What? That's, that's the, the dumbest first, thing I've ever that's heard. That's the only time I've ever heard that before. I was like, okay, then. You know, although I do have to say, I did kind of like it when I didn't have to like pay attention to anyone else during my swim set. But come on. I know. It's circle yeah. swimming with three people is not like a, that's not a heavy lift. <laughs> you know, it's like no. easy to make room for three people at a lane. Well, you and know. and at my local pool, like it's going to be a very rare scenario where you're going to have to circle swim. Right. Oh, okay. Well, thanks for listening to me, Ben. Yeah. Pool, pool dynamics. <laughs> <laughs>
I, I have to tell this one little fool story. I was like, I got a great amount of pleasure from like my friend, my bestie Karen. She's now she's like eight months pregnant, but like I say a month ago, she's seven months pregnant. So like, like visibly pregnant, like whatever we, and this happened several times during her pregnancy where we would go to the pool together and we'd, we'd still be the fastest two swimmers in the pool, which gave me like so much joy that like this pregnant woman was like just showing them where it's at you know even though probably like nobody was showed where it's at and nobody cared or even paid attention somehow this was like I'm like yes win for for the pregnant women good job (laughs) yeah because it's not hydrodynamic it's not it's not hydrodynamic in fact it's quite uncomfortable when when you change positions you know okay let's take a little break oh sorry about my voice maybe i'll drink some water during a break and then we'll do a little i rock because the fastest path to living healthier longer starts inside inside tracker takes a personalized approach to health and longevity from the most trusted and relevant source your body it was created by experts in aging genetics and biometric data from Harvard, Tufts, and MIT. That's quite a list. Inside Tracker provides personalized health analysis and clear recommendations, plus an action plan on how to live healthier, longer. When I do my Inside Tracker tests, I always use the mobile blood draw service. It's amazing because you can enjoy a premium lab experience in the comfort of your own home or your office. All you have to do is book a time that suits your schedule and they will come to you. The scheduling is easy and they send you text alerts so you'll get appointment updates and notifications when your inside tracker health analysis and custom action plan are ready to view. It's great for busy people who want to save time. So if you want to try Inside Tracker's mobile blood draw service and find out what's going on inside your body for your health, go to insidetracker.com forward slash feisty and get 20% off today. That's insidetracker.com forward slash F-E-I-S-T-Y. As a former pro triathlete who now does very amateur crossfitting for fun and is in perimenopause, meaning I can't count on my hormones to be consistent anymore, one of my main limitations is the speed at which I build muscle. It just doesn't come easily for me. I wanted to make sure I am actually getting the benefits of the little time I do have to work out. That's why Amino Co's Perform is the perfect product for me. It tastes good and I just sip on it before and during my workouts. The AminoCo's Perform formula has clean ingredients and is great for your everyday routine to help give your body the fuel it needs to perform at its best and recover faster and stronger from workouts. What's even better is that AminoCo's Perform was created by former Harvard professor and world-renowned clinical researcher, Dr. Wolf. As a competitive athlete, Dr. Wolf has completed 62 marathons in under 230 whoa, and is still fueling his body with Perform at age 75. So if you are looking for a nutritional advantage when it comes to boosting your peak athletic performance, I recommend you give Perform a try. It's scientifically three times more effective on a gram for gram basis than any other protein source. 
To try it yourself and get 30% off, use the code RIDING, R-I-D-I-N-G, when you visit aminoco.com forward slash riding. That's A-M-I-N-O-C-O dot com forward slash riding. talk about Orca for a minute. In 2018, Orca approached me at the Ironman World Championships in Kona and said, hey, we love what you are doing and we want to support women better. So we are designing products specifically for women rather than just, you know, shrinking the men's products. And we want your help. That's me, Sarah and Feisty Media that they were asking for help from. Not only that, but I personally find that my Orca wetsuit is the best I've ever had for flexibility and buoyancy, and I definitely wish I had found it when I was racing pro. Fast forward four years, and Orca has launched their new triathlon wetsuits and other gear designed specifically for women. I'm so proud to have been part of this process. So you can order your very own wetsuit and other fab products for 15% off using the code IRONWOMEN15 at orca.com that's iron women the name of one of our amazing triathlon podcasts iron women 1515 at orca.com hey sarah i'm totally unprepared for a rock because shoot me too <laughs> during our little break i was thinking and didn't really come up with anything. Okay. Ooh. Okay. I rock because with my discussions with the pool person mm-hmm. and management, I have tried to be constructive mm-hmm. and offer a solution, which is I will donate money to the pool <laughs> for signs. For <laughs> <And> signs. <laughs> I feel like you should go in bigger, Sarah. <laughs> like, I'll pay the hundred bucks for the sides. Don't I don't think that's gonna get you there. Although I, well, I also yeah. I mean, if the objection is people don't know how to share, I don't know. I can buy signs, but I don't know. I don't know. Okay, let's let's sorry, I missed in. why you rocked in that. <laughs> because instead of getting mad or frustrated, oh, I right. was constructive. Okay, okay like that you were kind if of a it, solutions yeah. oriented mm-hmm. if if any well trying to think about it you know taking emotion out of it hmm. because this is a very frustrating situation for me yeah well and this is part of your like way of making a living like so just to put that in context like that's you're, you're going to work at that point yeah yeah, yeah. i th- this is something i have to do and you know, if you are just going in and just kind of easy, you know, cruising long laps a couple times a week, it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. But for me, it is a big deal. Um, but I'm trying to think about how to promote a positive culture instead of just focusing on me. So that's why I rock. Excellent. <laughs> I, I like that. I like that. Sorry for questioning it. I, yeah. Yeah. I, come you, on. You do, Sarah. you do rock. You Thank do rock. you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you rock? Okay. Um, okay. I rock because, okay. I've just, okay. This is going to be like, 
a random story and I don't even know if it fits into the IROC because category, but we'll find something rocking out of it. But <laughs> I had a big learning moment like two nights ago because I was dealing with like a business stress that I was just over. And like, it's rare for me to be like over the edge, like frustrated. Like I had a strong emotional response that I was like, I don't, you know, when you're like, I don't know what to do. Right. So I'm talking like being an entrepreneur, it's kind of lonely over here. Right. Like there's some business problems. You just like, you're not, who are you talking to about that? Right. And especially not in the moment. Like I have some really great mentors who have been amazing, who I can like are outside of any connection to like the business or have an opinion or like don't work for the business basically. So that's great. But I can't call them up at 9 PM and be like business strategy emergency. Like that's, that's not the relationship I have with them. So um, yeah. So I was on the phone with, with Jamie, my partner, who the poor guy has to like put up with it. And I'm like, and everything he said to me, I was in that mood where everything he suggested, I was like, no, I can't do that. I don't know. And then it was actually kind of like healing for me to just like throw back, like, no, no, just be a baby for a minute. And then he eventually said, well, it sounds like you don't know what you want. And I said, what? I do know what I want. And then I was like, here's what I want. And I listed off like how, and he was like, okay, right now I'm going to buy what you're selling. Like what you just said, like, he's like, you do know what you want. You're totally ready. You don't even have a problem. And I'm like, oh yeah. You're right. <laughs> so Ooh. I got there eventually. This might be like Jamie rocks because, <laughs> but like, I did feel quite good about like the, the process of that of like, because I sometimes struggle to like, let myself go to that place. Like just to like, almost be like a toddler, like throwing out all the toys out of the crib, kind of like, um, which is like letting myself go there presented a very quick solution um, in a way. And so then the rest of the week's been great. I like got that shit done, you know? Well, you, you had to feel the feels mm-hmm. and you rock because underneath those feelings mm-hmm. was a very rational human being who knew what she wanted and how to get shit done. Yeah, pretty much. I like it. I yeah. like it. So, so both of us problem solving. Problem that's solving. Why, that's we rock why we because rock. Yeah, yeah, we're problem solvers. Yeah. Well, if any listeners rock because they solve problems or they know how to share a lane, please send us a voicemail because we celebrate you. And this is another week up. If we're writing, looking forward to talking to you next week. None of you people can tell me to stop My town, my crown We know what it takes to be reaching the top We're reaching the top We're reaching the top We know what it takes to be reaching the top